Hey everyone, Yas here and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have a fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends and don't forget to get in touch guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at the coaches net. Once again, that's at the coaches net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a special guest with me today. My guest today is Armin Kavaya. What's going on, bro? How you doing? You're right. I'm very well, thank you, man. Very well. Armin, just before we get into the thick of the conversation, maybe just give a brief insight around who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there, man. Yeah, of course. Uh, just a brief one. Um um, my name is Armand Kavai. I'm uh, I'm originally from Albania. Um, currently working in the UK and moved to the UK when I was 12 uh, with the family um, as a refugee at the time due to the troubles um, that we had at uh, back home. Um, then from that age, uh, started coaching or playing around the age of 16 just through grassroots football uh, at a club called London Tigers, um, which uh, is like the club actually that. Um, made me grow up as I went through my, my journey and uh, that's where I got most of my opportunities my my love and, and passion for, for uh, football and um, so at, at 16s started playing with their under 17s at the time and then under 19s then going on to their reserve team and then a little for a couple of years with their first team um, but yeah that's more or less kind of the start of my journey and where I'm from and how I got into it amazing amazing let's talk let's talk about it and obviously you know coming to coming to the country at such a young age um in in, in a, such a challenging time what was it about football that you know kind of yeah, gravitated you towards it uh basically it started back home um my father was always a football fan always watching brazil so you know i grew up watching brazil uh, my cousin luckily was a professional player at the time so we used to follow him around with the, the local team um that at the time was playing the top division uh he was a striker so he obviously you know he's scoring goals and you're always kind of following him uh, and then from there I always wanted to play, but we just never had the opportunity. I never had the opportunity to start there just because my family, as I said, you know, the trouble um, that, that was going on at the time in the country was was something that my family wanted to get out. Um, and so that we constantly were delaying it for me to join it, to join a football club because that, that's how it worked. They basically you can just join any any um, academy. Um, so unfortunately, until the age of uh, 12, I didn't join anywhere and then left and then I didn't know anyone here. Um, so, yeah, the challenges were uh, quite, quite extreme at the start. But I thought football was my safe haven that helped me a lot when I came here, uh, just because you could go out and you didn't need to speak the language to just play football. Uh, and hope that actually helped me with the language and communication as well. I can imagine. And obviously the people say all the time that, you know, football is, is a world language, isn't it? really yeah. the opportunity to kind of just come across and obviously you know just start playing football and not really having to speak the language you know let's talk about it a little because that's obviously quite a big challenge and quite a big step for you to take as well in terms of coming over playing did you find any differences in the mentality and the, and the styles in terms of what they were like here compared to back home and you know what was your first position that you went into was you just following following after your cousin's footsteps yeah that's it really just you know everybody wants to be a striker when they when they start off um so i always used to play up front and always used to run around like hell of chickens at the time <laughs> but um but gradually you know with whilst i joined the semi-pro team um with their youth teams the coaches that i had at the time which were really good role models for me not just as a as a player but as a person and then as a as a coach because they've gradually grown and, and and gone abroad and done quite well so they had really good values um but yeah it's it, it was um a time when when i i i really didn't know anyone i didn't know you know who who i could could kind of um relate to or who i can ask for help and 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 football just helped me through that and pretty gradually knowing people within the community they they pull me into to the semi-pro team you mentioned there a couple of times already you know that the environment at london tigers helped you grow as a person 
just just talk to that a little bit more in terms of what what does that mean? What does that actually mean practically? Uh, the environment. Look, the environment is something that I strongly believe in now, which helps me with um, with my day to day work. I think the environment is really important. I think the environment that you set, it, it can create the beast, if that makes sense. Um, so the people that were there, they were very professional, very serious. Although the the, the club was a semi pro club, they had ambition to to go further, to 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 grow as coaches, and um, and so they were they really did things properly, and that environment was quite nurturing. Um, like I said, very professional with with rules and boundaries in there, but at the same time was you know quite free you know to express yourself. So I think they had a the, the really really good environment with a mixture of different nationalities in the in the team, uh, which I I really enjoyed. Um, and that allowed me to hope, well express myself, uh, even though I couldn't speak the language. I, you know, I felt comfortable in that environment. Let's do, you know, let's build on that. Then, as obviously you mentioned that some of the experiences that you were you know exposed to, or some of the people that you're exposed to, obviously not just from playing perspective, from a coaching perspective, you know, helped you helped and encouraged you to try and you know push on and become, you know, who you are today essentially. Mm. So what, what what was what was that like? You know, what what was it? about coaching and when did that first come into kind of into into your path if you like it's, it was by chance really at the time i was in school and then i was i was still playing um and uh, they were doing level one at the time and it was for free and i, I just thought you know i didn't know what i was going to do when i went to a levels um and and, and well at gcse's time and then and then a levels later on and something that you know it was football based and i wanted to be in football for for a long time but as i said the, the opportunities that i had uh, that's what I'd like to believe anyway, but you know, I probably wasn't good enough. But the opportunity that I had, I didn't know if I could go and earn a career, you know, and and earn a, a living from it. Uh, you know, I might have played half decent level or a conference or something like that if I really, really tried. Um, but I didn't want to be in football for 10, 15 years, you know, at the age of 35, let's say, and then and then stop and get out of it. I wanted to be in it for longer, so it was a uh, something that. Um, I wanted to explore a bit more about, so I, I did the level one, and then I quite enjoyed that, uh, and then I just got this this hunger for it, um, so I started. I go. I went into level two uh, a year later, and then level three by the age of twenty, I think I was, and then I was doing my A license at the age of twenty four, uh, but mm. at the same time at twenty three, um, as I probably talk a little bit more about, but the I got the opportunity to manage a semi pro team, which you know at the time was quite difficult to do uh, but they trusted me with that um, so yeah it's just gradually and then I stopped playing at the age of 22 just because I got an opportunity at Crystal Palace to work within the academy um, and then worked there for two years and went back to the same pro team to manage and um, so that's the reason why I kind of stopped playing because I wanted to be in football not just for you know like like I said for 15 years but I wanted to be in it for for my life for, for the whole lifetime really that's that was my passion. What was your goal return? I went back in terms of positions. I ended up, you know, I always, always wanted to play up front, but the coaches started dropping me back. So I started playing right back for most of my career. Fair enough. So not many goals, really. No, no, no. So it's fantastic, obviously, you know, to see that transition and, you know, to kind of have that foresight early on in your journey to think, you know, how can I create some longevity in, in, in my passion, if you like. So, you know, just, just building on that. And obviously, you know, you mentioned there about going through your level one, your level two and your A for B. And then eventually UEFA for A, um, all at quite young ages, and you know, um, which is a real you know topic of discussion all the time around whether coaches should progress that quickly or or that at that young age, um, whether there's limited or you know enough experience if you like at that age, whether to really you know really be pushed on into into that coaching pathway. It depends. And yeah, not hundred percent. And obviously the coaching part, you know, the, the coach education system has changed so much recently as well, especially in the last ten years. What what was it like for you back then? Obviously, going through it, and you, I can imagine you probably went through a very similar process to, to myself and how your level one was and your level two, and, and so on and so forth. You know, what, what would you say the biggest takeaways from back then that you kind of still stuck with you now? I think that the first thing, just to, to recap on that one, I think there was a little thing called, and I still, I think people still use it, badge collecting. Um, and I, I, it depends, really. You know, it depends where you are. It depends on your journey. It depends on you know. I was doing a lot of things at the time, and I needed, I needed the, the knowledge and obviously that the the qualifications so to progress um so uh, you know we did level one and as you know the level one is an introduction of what coaching is level two gives you a bit more in-depth into it level three you start talking about you know how to manage a team and how to you know tactically and so on and then uefa is obviously the the ultimate one but for me 
it wasn't like I was rushing it. Uh, I needed I was thirsty for knowledge um, and I was trying to find different ways to kind of gain that knowledge. It wasn't just the qualifications in football. I was doing other things outside of it, analysis courses, as well as my degree that I was doing at the same time. Um, and then I did either physiotherapy like qualifications at the time, just just trying to get a general broad understanding of what football is. And and because as we know, a lot of people tend to go in, in one field. I, I did all of them, even down to a level, you know, level seven referee introduction to referee. And just because I was hungry for the for, for the knowledge. And I, I think that, you know, just to pause you on that one, I think it's such a key thing, really, because you're right, there is a lot of coaches, you know, back then and even now that are just still, you know, on this bad badge collecting journey. And you know, I think back about my journey and I think between my level one and my level two is probably six months. Um, I was, you know, between my doing the level two and the UEFA B for me, I, you know, I completed all three of the youth modules back then. Um, and then I kind of took 18 months out before I came back into coaching and um, did my UEFA B. So I kind of, if I take out the 18 month period, probably similar to yours, where I com com went from level one to kind of UEFA B within the span of three years. Mm. Um, and then eventually within probably six, seven months of finishing my B license, I was starting my A license, not too dissimilar to yours. But for me, I and, and people always said, oh, don't rush through it. Don't, you know, make sure you consolidate. And that's their favorite word to use. But for me, it was like, you know, very similar to you. Well, I was thirsty for the knowledge. And for me, the way I saw it was this, if I knew what I was next, then I could start putting that work into place now, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah, you had you had a goal and that's, that's the same. You know, I, I knew where I wanted to go and where I wanted to be. And to get there, I needed... I needed those qualifications to open the doors firstly but like like you said at the same time you know there was there's certain positions that demand that knowledge um during that time and i was managing semi-pro team now as i said this semi-pro team is you know not making a big deal out of it but at the same time there was players there that had played you know uh, professionally in certain countries like albania estonia uh, lithuania and different eastern european countries and even from brazil like Division two and so on. So these players were a good standard. So I couldn't go and manage these guys, you know, not knowing what I was doing. So that it demanded it from from me, um, and then competing in it, you know, in, in the league or whether that was FA Cup or FA Vars. These are not competitions that you take lightly. Um, so you had to be ready for it. Now I couldn't wait for for you know when they were talking about oh yeah wait for two years. No, but actually I was applying everything I, I was doing almost on a daily basis. Mm. Um, so. I don't think if you're in the right environment and if you're developing the you know the, the, qualif the qualifications that you are doing on a daily basis, then yes, you can fast track your 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 learning. I well probably. I mean, is it really fast tracking? Is, say again. Is it really fast tracking if you're actually get, if you're actually implementing the stuff and you're applying it? Because I no, think this is where the, the challenge comes, isn't it? Maybe maybe fast tracking is probably the word, but you you you, you look at it, the, the ex players, you know, they tend to go straight into the into the A and or into the B and, and then into the A qualifications, you know, that is fast tracking, but that, that doesn't mean they don't have the knowledge and they have the fantastic knowledge. So it's about, have you got that knowledge? Have you had that big experience, if that, I should say? Um, so you've got to, got to really be ready for it, but also be doing the day-to-day -day work. You, and if you're talking about, about badge collecting, it's not doing anything in between the two, the badges. So yeah, I do agree with you. It's not, it's not fast tracking if you, if you're working on a daily basis, trying to develop yourself. No, and I think you make a great point there because and it's just and the reason I asked the question is because the people will say, well, you know, I think I think you summed it up very well in the last bit there where you said fast tracking is about you know doing the bits in between, not just trying to jump from one to the next without actually ever, you know. And I'm not, I'm not really a big fan of when you know when coach developers or coach educators turn around and say, oh, you need to go away and do two years. Well, actually, it's not as simple as that because you don't know what I'm going to be doing in those two years. Mm -hmm. My two years yeah. could be someone else's six months. Yeah. And vice versa, do you know what I mean? So, and it's a similar, very similar thing happened to me on my B license, where the tutors, you know, basically said to me, "Go away and do X number of hours before you think I'm progressing to your A license." I um, think that was the general, the general feedback I, to all of them. Exactly that, but you know, had, had he, had he asked the right questions and learned enough about my context, he would have understood actually the number of hours that he put down for me it was only going to take me four weeks because I was working in multiple different mm. environments, getting loads of hours on the grass, and it was all I was doing at the time. Whereas yeah. for someone else that number might have span over two years. Absolutely. Um, so I, th I think, I think you know, there needs to be probably a bit more diligence in, the, in, in that process as well. So, you know, let's talk about that for a second. So how did you find the pathway back then? And obviously, I know, you know, we've known each other for a number of years. Um, we used to work together as well. And, you know, we've, we've even went on to the Advanced Youth Award together at the same time. You yeah. know, obviously, 
by that point you you already have your a license so I, you know unless my memory lets yeah, me down yeah, here no, no, you're it, right. the aya is probably the only course that you've done as part of the quote unquote modern pathway within the yeah, english yeah. english uh, football coaching education yeah. system um what were your you know what were the biggest things that you kind of uh, maybe re- appreciated or maybe undervalued prior from the old pathway maybe how has has i been shaped since you since then i did i did like the old one it tells you where you are right now um so you know whether you're ready or not they'll tell you that but i do like the new one with with the they're giving you the feedback they give they get the opportunity to come and observe you in in your in, in your working environment it's not okay come and deliver a session and then you got some tick boxes to, to meet um just to get through that session that doesn't make me a coach on you know whether i fail on that day i could get something wrong on that day and you, you you know you're failing me so i think there is negatives of the old one but there's loads of positives of of, of it as well um uh, but i do like the, the new one i think like you said about the ay um it's a it's something that you you gradually work towards something and then you get feedback as you go along the way through the the, the, the coach educators well educators that work at your club um so there's benefits for both really but i do like that practice like i said it's, it's changed a little bit do you, do you feel like this, the you know, what's your general view of the standard of coaches that are coming through in more recent years then it's a difficult one uh it's a difficult one because I, I look I'm, I'm still a developing coach myself i'm still learning myself and i don't think i'm, I'm in a position to really be judging uh you know young uh coaches that are coming through but um there is that when when you're going through it without the, the, the qualification and then that there was those demands and those criteria that you have and and just getting through it I don't know I just think of we get quite a, a diluted type of coach um and now uh and, and I don't know I think it's something that I still like the old way uh, I'm still a bit you know a fan of the old way yeah no it's, it's, it's a great point and the reason why I asked the question more spe- specifically because there is this big debate at the moment as to whether the standard of coaching has dropped um you know my argument was as well i don't know if the stat i don't know if it's fair or you know in anyone in anyone um case to maybe judge whether the standard has dropped but maybe what has seemed competent has definitely changed yeah uh, in terms of there's a, there's a, there's a like range of styles of coaches and there's yeah you know, there's probably more specialist coaches in different areas of the game especially with the you know the, the emergence of the advanced youth forward over the last few years as well and you know maybe having some fat um face specific specialist as well and you know, i just think get, i just think definitely get, yeah of, uh, i find there's a lot of you know theoretical they the loads of they've got loads of ideas and loads of different concepts but the process of it i think not understanding the process of it and that comes through experience on the grass um so they come in with all these loads of different ideas but the process of how the player learns and how they develop i think it's really important to understand first of all um so yeah there is the quality may have dropped like i said i didn't didn't want to really <laughs> make that statement but um um it has it has dropped uh, and i agree with you but i do think that's to do with like you said about the, the hours the process of hours and I, that's why I've, you know although previously it was done unconsciously by somebody passing you and signing a form and saying go away and do two years three years i do like the new way where they come and observe you so they they're looking at you gradually yeah, so I mean, do you, do you think there's just, I, I, you know, I don't even know if it's fair to say necessarily the standard of coaching has dropped, but I think there's certainly, in my opinion, the old pathway maybe had a lot more emphasis on the technical understanding of the technical technical and tactical knowledge of the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the new kind of, or the modern pathway doesn't necessarily, cater, you know, cater for that same aspect. So when we're saying that, there's, you know, the standard has dropped, it's maybe the technical tactical standard of knowledge yeah. Yeah. Has, has taken a hit, but it's maybe seen developments and improvements in other areas of the, uh, the coaching pathway if you like yeah no, i agree with that and i think when i was doing my my uh before i did my a license i should say i did uh there was three courses there was um the position specific courses and i found them very valuable in terms of the detail and uh, that was during with dick bay at the time um he he went into so much detail that if you thought wow you know it inspired you and that's the detail you need to go into when you come into academy football you, when you come into first team football really so it's something that I think there is is lacking, but yeah. taking those courses away does not help that because I think that that's an in-depth course. It's, it's really honed in into certain positions, what the detail in, in those positions. 
think I think you're spot on. And I think that you know the one the one kind of observation I'd really make is that I'd, especially having delivered coach education myself in the last few years is that I just think there's a lack of appreciation from a from a from a large number of coaches coming through the processes now around just how important that technical detail is. And I think, you know, you made a great point there around that's the type of information, that's the type of detail that you need when you're going into academies in the first time environment. But I don't think it's present enough even even now in those environments. No. Because of the because of the shift and the change in the pathways and, you know, maybe through the lack of um specific types of courses like the ones you've just mentioned there about the position specific elements and things like that, where I think it just again really highlights for me, having gone through that pathway and probably for yourself similarly, where there's a massive gap here. There's a massive yeah. gap in knowledge. You can see that of... because you talk about it. Like I see it sometimes with part-time coaches sometimes coming into into academy, and um, it's not their fault, not at all. When you know they got great passion, great desire, but there's times you think that needs to be coached. Now, uh, the, the the problem is I don't know if they see it. So that, that that's where the issue is. I think you know they, they, I don't think they see it to to work on it. And you think well, no, don't let that go. And then it's this this other thing that about the game, allowing the game to flow and, you know, and let that be the teacher. But at the same time, if I'm making the same mistake and I'm not learning from it, I need help. I can't, yeah, you no, can't I let it go. You can't let it go. Gone. And that's what annoys me the most at times. It's like, it's let go. Uh, yeah, but you will learn, you know, that they'll problem solve. And yeah, they'll problem solve. But if somebody, if I don't know something, I don't know it. It's, it's, it's a fact. So I, I, feel, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on in there, that, that whole phrase of let the game be the teacher. I'll be honest with you, I think it's nonsense. Um, I don't think the game can be a teacher for anyone unless there's explicit facilitation going around it. Mm. There has to be someone managing the environment. And it's not just, yes, you know, we can argue to the cows, of course you're going to develop. You know, if you put a player on a pitch every single day for 60 minutes, five times a week, they're definitely going to get better. Of course they are. Yeah, yeah. But whether they're getting better but the thing um, is you get you get better at the, the wrong habits and something if, if that's, something that's is that's wrong thing, exactly. you're just getting better at something wrong yeah because because you're not aware of it right like you said you know no. you don't know what you don't you don't know what you don't know and i think that's the key bit and i think i think a lot of coaches you know you've you've mentioned a kind of a brief example there really and are, are, are getting away with actually just letting them play but reality mm-hmm. is they don't they don't stop it they don't coach it they don't know any of the any of the things that i was getting frustrated it. Yeah, I was getting frustrated initially, and but then I I started reflecting on myself, and I'm thinking, is it just about the letting the game be the teacher, or is it is that individual not spotting that mistake? If that makes then, sense. Then, so then comes the question, not, right? If the person's not spotting the mistake, should they be in the environment? That that's it. Yeah, that's that's the the other problem. But when when they meet the criteria in terms of qualifications, because they've passed certain qualifications and they come in, then it's um it's scary as well. Uh, and like I said, you know, I think they're raising the number of, you know, A license and B license. And I was through that journey. But I have to say, I had, I had to, you know, graft a lot to get those qualifications and get that experience to get me to where I am. I'm certainly nowhere near where mm. I want to be. I've got a lot of work. So, what are your what are your thoughts on the idea that you know, again, it's a it's a topic of discussion I've had with a few people recently around whether, you know, the UEFA the UEFA qualifications mainly to be in the A license still hold the same weight they maybe once did no i don't think so i I think there's there's been a lot of in my opinion bridging the gap between england and other countries and i.e germany and so on because they they've got a lot more qualified a license and b license coaches uh and and spain i think is if i'm not correct um so it was a lot of that bridging that bridging that gap as well so there was quite a lot of coaches qualifying here but at the same time is the number of jobs and opportunities for them to excel in, i.e. academy opportunities or, you know, first team opportunities is not enough. So uh, I think the qualification itself is the A license itself. Now the pro license is the hardest one to get into. The A license should be a little bit like that, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, once you get that, you should open new certain doors, but it seems to be everybody seems to have it nowadays. So. 100% like you just you pop on Facebook or you know not that I use Facebook but um Twitter all your sort you know Instagram and you know even LinkedIn every day new new person's got an A license a B license a license and it's just like yeah I don't even yeah. care about this stuff no more <laughs> no, no it's become a redundant one like like I yeah. said, everybody used to look forward to that you know the B license was kind of the highest level and then you know you're aspiring to go into the A license it was hard to get into um 
but look, you know, I hope I hope for the people that are qualifying, they're not missing out in terms of the learning, because yes, we all might have that qualification. Um, it doesn't mean that it's going to make us great coaches, but the learning is the more important bit. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So let's let's come back to your journey, Alman. You know, you 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 mentioned that you was at London Tigers uh, doing the semi-pro stuff. Um, you mentioned that you had a brief couple of years at Crystal Palace. Let's talk about that a little bit. What was you, you know, what was that experience like going into the academy at that stage, um, at was, such a young age as well? Yeah, I was I was nineteen at the time, and uh, I was still playing, and I was still at university. And uh, David Moss at the time was the academy manager at uh, at Crystal Palace, and they wanted to get some interns to come and do some analysis, uh, and basically get some some good clips of of uh, different age groups and create like a highlight uh, reel. Um, so they came to the university at Kingston and, and asked for a couple of students. So look, quite a few of us kind of went into it and then he picked myself and one other person. At the time, I had a friend at Palace that was coaching with the 16s as an assistant. Um, so I went in there as a kind of doing analysis and then uh, asked if this is an opportunity to kind of, because I was doing coaching on the side at London Tigers with their youth teams. And and the, and the reserve team and asked if it's possible to kind of do some coaching with them. Uh, so I started doing some bits with the sevens and eights, and for, I did that for the whole year whilst I was doing this analysis with the eighteens and twenty ones and other age groups, just which was quite quite a good experience on its own. And um, once I was doing that, uh, the next year I got offered an opportunity to kind of go into the academy, work with the under thirteens at the time. Um, so I spent another year there. I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, uh, definitely something that. It opened my eyes of the, the standard of the detail or the, the quality of a player uh, and where I wanted to be. Um, so, yeah, it was um, it was an opportunity that kind of worked itself out gradually through through an opportunity that opened up at university. And, you know, just talk about that. Obviously, what was a you know, massive, massive difference from grassroots environment moving into the academy? And how would you say that's transitioned now over the years? Because, you know, that was probably before EPPP or around the time EPPP came in. Um, mm. There's been massive changes since then, probably especially with Crystal Palace as an academy as is in itself, but just as as a general landscape in terms of academy football. Yeah, and look, uh, for me it was obviously an eye opening. Um, the players were specimens physically, especially as as we know Crystal Palace as well in the area in the catchment area they had. Uh, so I did a bit of scouting actually at the same time as I was I was there. So I brought a couple of players in, and um, so physically they were a different standard. Um, technically tidier. There was something that I always thought, oh, Academy Forward, you're always going to have players that are always professional and focused, but you still had those Mavericks in there. But those Mavericks would, were the ones that always the creative ones and the game, the ones that you know would change the game. So it was about how you deal with those ones in there. So it, it wasn't too dissimilar to to what you do in grassroots, but the standards of, of technically, physically was obviously very apparent. Um, but with regards to everything else, socially and psychologically, uh, you still had the same challenges, really, because they were still human beings. Hundred percent, hundred percent. How would you say that's kind of that's kind of lent itself to where we are now in today's climate? In the fact that you know younger players are getting, you know, talk about being physical specimens, they're probably getting more and more athletic nowadays. Isn't it? Would you agree? A hundred percent. I think uh, it's definitely a pillar that every club is looking at uh, because. Really, if you look at it, rugby started started similar to what football was probably ten years ago. As in, it was a gentleman sport. It was you know lean, athletic, but not huge, muscular, big, powerful uh, athletes. But then they gradually changed. So you, as you look at it now, it's a completely different sport. I think football is gradually changed now at the same in the same manner. And and if you look at it, that the SNC program, the gym program, the the nutrition, everything else is so high and then within football is so important, as important as what you do on the pitch as, you know, technically, tactically as well. So the athlete itself is really important that whoever we bring in is able to cope to that, to those demands. And so we get that every day, you know, when you come in and you're looking at many different things. Is it a good move? Is it, a, you know, quick, strong, powerful? Has he got the, the ability physically to, to, to mould and to change? Uh, into what we perceive to be in, you know, in a couple of years' time, especially when we're talking about youth development players, as they get into PDP, you more or less kind of know uh, you're just refining certain bits. Uh, but yeah, I think football has definitely changed and it's gone in that in that manner. And obviously, you can understand that because it's becoming quicker, you know, mm. a much faster game. So let's talk about then. Obviously, much faster game. Move forward in your journey. You've gone from 
being at the Tigers, Crystal Palace, gone back to Tigers to become head coach. And, yeah. um, you know, where, where did your journey go through from then? Atlanta Tigers, I was, um, I came back doing a little bit with the reserve team and then assistant manager with the first team. Again, at the similar time that I was at Palace, I was doing two, three roles all the time. I was struggling and I'm still doing sometimes. It's just, that's the way I, I've been. I can't keep to one role. Um, so yeah, I was um, I was doing my university, finishing that off, and then I was assisting the, the the manager who's now in Georgia, actually doing quite well for himself in the in the Super League there. Um, he left three months whilst I was assistant to him, so I got left to the job. You know, at 23, got thrown in it in in um, in September. They they had lost well, we had lost, I should say, uh, all six games that I had started. So it was a completely different challenge. You know, it wasn't who, like who was, okay, who was the head coach. Uh, Georgie Manishvili, he's um, he's now, um, yeah, he's in Georgia now, uh, Dinamo Tbilisi. Um, so, yeah, he uh, he got an opportunity, so he left. He, uh, and then, yeah, they handed it to me. Um, loads of conversations. I was too young, I was this and that. But knowing, like, speaking to the chairman now, and I always ask him, because he asked for my opinion about new coaches. I said, well, give it to them, you know, that if they, they want to do it, they're... They're uh, serious and professional. Said, yeah, because you gave gave me the opportunity. Said, yeah, but you were different. You you know you were for your age. You were really focused and really driven and really you know professional what you're doing. Although the the players were older than you, um. So um, yeah, I started there. Uh, six games in, we had lost everything. The coach leaves, and then I'm left to kind of rebuild everything and try and keep the team in the league. We didn't win a game until I think eleventh game or so on, and then gradually started. Uh, to win some games and manage to keep the team up, which was, you know, for me, quite quite a uh, great achievement right? for, yeah. Yeah, for, for a semi-pro team. And especially with the, the biggest challenge really wasn't just that, it was managing my own friends that I was playing with. Well, that, I was going to ask result. you that, you know, what, what was that like? Because obviously, you know, transitioning from not just becoming an assistant coach to assistant manager, then to, you know, head coach, but managing players that are older than you and probably some that are probably a lot more experienced than you in some ways. You know, what, yeah. for a young coach, you know, you know, you know, it's probably something. There's probably a lot of listeners out here thinking, oh, and I'd love to go into in a semi-pro environment. Or I'd love to go into first team environment, but they're still quite young in their journeys and they've got those ambitions. And you know, maybe they haven't really fully accepted and understood and acknowledged that this is actually one of the biggest challenges they probably could face. So mm. how did you how did you navigate that? It it was hard, but I didn't know about these certain things like values and beliefs and and so on. I only learned about this. Um, maybe six, seven years ago when I was doing the LMA diploma, which I'll t I can talk a little bit more after, but I didn't know about that, but I was so strong in what I wanted to achieve myself. And I was, I was and I always thought of myself, I'm a professional in what I do. So if I think this is the right thing to do, and if it's gonna, is there gonna be consequences for somebody not to play or not to be selected, I was adamant that I was gonna do that. It wasn't gonna be, oh, I have to play him because he's my friend over somebody else. I needed to get results. Um, so I, I made sure that um, I did that job as professionally as, as I could throughout, um, and I stuck to my to my values and beliefs uh, as as I, as I said without even knowing what they were at the time. Um, so yeah, there was it, it was really difficult. That I lost lost quite a few friends at the time that that either didn't play for the team anymore or um, didn't speak to. Um, I was chatting to people, you know, that when I was doing the job for hours on the phone pick up the phone, you know, at different times, calling, speaking to one other person, he's got an opinion on how we should play, the other one has got an opinion. And I'm just saying, I'm constantly sticking to how I think. Now, I've made mistakes, don't get me wrong, but that, that those mistakes, I think, have certainly helped me on in my journey. I didn't make them twice, I like to think. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was difficult, but you got to stick to why you're doing it, where do you see it going? Are you doing it professionally or are you just doing it as a hobby and just for fun? And because if you're doing it for hobby and fun, then there's no point pissing people off, let's say, and, and upsetting people. You just go with the flow. But I was really focused. I wanted to do it properly and, ach and achieve something. And I don't think I would have done that without, as I said, keep the team up in the league if I didn't do, if I didn't lose a couple of the, the, the friends at the time. Are you? Have you have you have you made friends up made up with them now or how, how does how yeah. does that pan out? Yeah, look, there's, there's there's that thing that they say, you know, some people are there for just this short journey, uh, like uh, the parts on a on a rocket that fall off. You know, if you 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 want to go somewhere, you can't. They're not going to always come with you. So some of them I have, some of them not. You know, sometimes some of them on social media say hello sometimes, but not to the extent that it was before. Um, but 
I know that, you know, the ones that have believed it and through friends that they, they've stuck by it, uh, even though at the time, like I said, these, they didn't play as much or they didn't believe in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how's your journey transitioned from then? So how long, how long was you in that role for? And, you know, and, and then talk us about how you got to your current role. Yeah, so um, basically in that role, I was for five years, um, different challenges, like I said, throughout it, uh, some good achievements in, went in like four rounds in the FA Cup, which was a really good year in one season, missed out from playing a League Two League Two team. Um, so that was, you know, we had some some of the challenge and then gradually through that, we, you know, we'd raised a little bit of money for different things, for, for track suits and for transport and so on. So it was, um, it was different challenges throughout. I did jobs in there that I didn't, you know, I couldn't imagine doing driving minibus, you know, washing kit sometimes or doing match programs or stocking up the bar or whatever it was. So the the the, the learning I got from that, it really excelled me going forward. I went from there after the five years, um, I was doing a program. I set up a little club um, in a, in an American school myself, which grew up, it grew to about uh, six, seven teams, um, and then I left that, but the opportunity came up at, the, at, at Watford doing part-time. Um, whilst I was the, doing the semi-pro team, can you like, imagine, like, I was doing two days there, three days there, um, and then gradually I started at under-10s at, at Watford and moved to under-9s one season, then moved to 11s, 12s, 13s, 15s, 16s, and then during that middle gap, so everything overlaps really, so I can't really give you a time timeline Per se, but as as I finished with the semi pro team two years as as I was as I was in the in the academy at Watford, the, the ladies' job came up. So I thought, you know, I want to try this. I want to see how that is. You know, something new, something different. And um, and then that was a different challenge because the team had changed as well completely. So we had to rebuild that team as well. And um, so then I ended up now I'm in at Watford. Two jobs at Watford Academy, ladies, gradually growing into it. I get a 15, 16 job full time, uh, which I then have to kind of step away from from the ladies for a bit. Um, as I'm growing into that, I come back into the ladies, go back into it. Um, and then, um, yeah, now I end up uh, eight years down the line at at, uh, at Watford doing assistant 18s and leading the 15, 16s age group. So, yeah, it's a long journey. Long journey for sure, but obviously, you know, that there was probably plenty of ups and downs along the way. In fact, I know there would have been. So, you know, let's let's talk about that because obviously there's a few different things that we kind of haven't really kind of covered really. You know, what what are some of the challenges that you face in getting there? At times, you know, I think we live in we live in a world now where everyone wants instant gratification, they want instant success, they want to get the those, you know, the role that they want, they want it now. Mm. Well, you know, how, 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 how do you how did you deal with that? And you know, what were some of the things that you you know, the challenges that you face? And I know especially you know you know if you think back to the start of your journey having you know come over from albania and you know got into football the way you did and got into coaching the way you did and mm. you know, did, did you did you think it was there was any times where maybe it was quite unfair for you and you weren't getting you get any opportunity that you deserve maybe it's it's a delicate subject um i've always believed that i think look that there is always those those things where you know you think oh i, I deserve this opportunity uh why am i not getting it but I was, I've always said to myself, I'm never going to look at, you know, the decision makers, what's their reasoning. I would look at myself, like I said to you before, in, you know, in, in, in normal conversations, am I qualified enough? Am I experienced enough to get this role? What am I, have I done everything I can to get this role? And then the ultimate bit is, who am I competing against? Who else is applying for that role? You know, because there's people internally that are probably more experienced. There's people externally that are more exper- more experienced. So I've always looked at myself first. Have I done everything I can to make sure I got that role? Um, yes, there's a perception about my background and so on, but it does not make me who I am. Unfortunately, just that's just the the way the world is. People, you know, read things and see things, and they build certain perceptions around certain communities. And unfortunately, you know, that's not. The true fact there's loads of hard work and people like myself um trying to make a living um so if that has happened it's saddening but um it hasn't stopped me it hasn't stopped me from trying to go where i want to go and i'm getting there i might be getting there two years down the line 
where I should have probably been two years ago. But it doesn't it doesn't affect me. I think the process is the more important bit for me, and I've learned so much from it. I met some some great people that have got to know me and and, and actually you know speak quite nicely uh, after getting to know me without building a perception, like I said, about my background. Mm. And I, I'm proud of where I'm from, and I think people need to to open their eyes a bit more. I think you're spotting, and I think you know everything you said. I fully agree with it. I think something that's really key in what you've said there is, is you know, it, it resonates with me really well around this quote. Around, it's not about the destination; it's about the journey and the process of you know, who you become, rather than mm. what you become. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, um, and I, I think I think you, you know you speak very well about that. And I think if there's anything for anyone to kind of take away from this is, and this is something that I learned early on as well. Um, I say early on, probably around the time that we were working together, really, is that we can want it as fast as we want it, we can want it as early as we want it, but everyone's on a different journey. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're almost, some sometimes we're led to believe, oh, we should have it by this time. Why? Why should we have it by this time? You know, we don't, we can't, we can't really um, say when we should have it. We can have an idea of when we want it, can we, you know, yeah. but the reality is we're all going to go on different journeys. We're all going to meet people at different, different points of our journey. We're all going to... Um, you know look the right part in someone's perspective at a certain time yeah. when they come across us so i think you know timing is everything but it's yeah. understanding that just because it's taken armand eight years doesn't mean it should take me eight years it could take me 12 it could take me six but it doesn't make yeah. me any better or worse than armand you know what i mean i think the important thing is you don't give up and if you really love it you, you you'd still be doing it and finding different ways to develop yourself and um, i think you've got to be careful because the way I look at it, and not every academy is the same. Obviously, we know about you know cat ones, the fours, and so on. But ninety-two clubs, ninety-two roles, same as mine. Um, I don't know how many coaches are getting qualified every every year. How many opportunities are coming up? How many people mm. go out of their mm. job and then come back into it? So I'm competing mm. for, for. I'm in one in ninety-two, really. Yeah. You know, if and, I come and, out of that job, I'm waiting for one of those other guys to leave to kind of go back into it. So that's if you want to get that same job again. Yeah, that same job or a job above, you know, 100%. Even a job. 100%. So, and then it's the so other thing. I think you made a great point there as well around, and I say this to people that are applying for qualification, you know, especially in the role that I'm doing now and the work that I do now, I've got a lot of people who are trying to get onto the, onto the qualifications, whether that be, you know, UAFC, AB, whatever it is. And it's, oh, you know, I'm still applying. I've been applying for a number of years. Yeah, but what you don't understand is this exactly what you just said. Hmm. Every year that passes by, if you're let's just say you're applying for an a license there's probably another 500 people have just applied as well that have just yeah. been qualified in the last 12 months since mm-hmm. you last applied and didn't get it what are you doing now and exactly what you said earlier what are you doing now that qualifies you to be the person who goes ahead of them yeah you know i, have, I remember having a conversation with someone recently around the idea of are they, they're trying to apply for their b license as an example um yeah. asking what you know what what um where you're coaching at the moment and he said i can't remember what league it was but basically it was like a division 10 team yeah. i said well you could not you don't even need a b license for that yeah, yeah. But then he goes yeah but i was working at this level this level this level before yeah but you're not working there now and there is people that work in there now so what are you doing now it's not about what you've necessarily done in the past it's about what you're doing yeah, yeah. now and that's one of the biggest things that you know that um that I've, I've kind of really kind of been trying to push on to people is that you know are you getting that consistent ongoing experience and it's not just about i did this once i did that once upon a time and it's like no what are you doing now is present that's what's relevant now so kind of you know just to build on that then you know we you know, you spoke briefly around the idea of maybe academy coaches coming in now not all of them maybe being up to scratch and some of them you, you know you're kind of making your eyes open a little bit and thinking wow what's, what's going on here but yeah what would your advice to be to those coaches who are now trying to get into academies now and obviously you know you and I both understand the landscape and that the qualifications isn't enough. No, there's hundreds and hundreds of people getting more qualified every every single day. What are the things that they maybe can start to think think about doing to maybe separate themselves or prepare themselves for you know moving into that world of academy football? I, I can not, but I can speak a bit more about. I was going to say I can only speak about myself. Uh, I did a lot of other qualifications on top of, and I'm not talking about football qualifications. I did analysis. I did, like I said, those physiotherapy stuff. I did them. Um, uh, talent ID, I'm doing it now, you know, I'm doing the level three now. I, I, that's something and just to open my eyes a bit more and, and learn a bit more about different aspects of football. 
and how that's going to give me a little edge here and there. You know, obviously I did my degree as well. Um, so that's the qualifications on the side. I think with the, with the experience, I threw myself in, in, you know, in the deep end in every role that I've kind of had, you know, the semi-pro team was one of them at 23. The ladies team, I never, I didn't know much about, you know, I wanted to learn something, you know, different. It was a massive learning experience for me working in the women's game. Um, and then outside, you know, don't neglect an opportunity to work and, you know, with different age groups to learn about that age group and stick to that age group. You know, a lot of people jump from one place to another, just jump in ships. I think it's important that you develop and you learn and you find, you know, what is your passion and where you, which age groups you want to work with and then stick to that and really learn about, you know, because it's not just about the football, you know, the technical and tactical stuff. It's also mm. a, a lot about the psychological and social stuff about there's the individual. A massive, there's a massive challenge there though, isn't there? Because, you know, there's a lot of people that will go down the view of, yeah, you need to work your way up through the age groups. But what, you know, what about those coaches, you know, like you quite rightly said, you know, know where you want to work. Like for me, I knew early on within a couple of years of me working, I didn't really have a massive passion for working in the, you know, with the younger age groups. Maybe that's because of where I started my journey. My start, I started my journey working on the 14s and 15s yeah. and it kind of, I just felt like I was at home straight away with that, with that age group. And it's kind of always been between kind of that 15 to kind of 21 age range across different environments, whether that be colleges, universities and, you know, academy football or whatever that might be. And it's just, you know, I've kind of always been there. And whereas, you know, some people will be like, well, no, you've got to work your way up and, you know, you've got to go through the foundation phase, you've got to go through the youth development phase, you've got to go through the professional development phase. There'll be, you know, people from a school of thought that will say you need to understand all the age groups. And, you know, I, I, I get that, but you can't specialise in everything. No, no, you can't, you, you know, you ain't going to become the best at old age groups. And I think you're really going to got to hone into to a certain age group. There's nothing wrong with experiencing um, and finding your place. There's certain, like, you'll know, you'll know, because dealing with the players, especially young athletes, you were talking about when you go through, you know, the, the little ones from, from five, six to, to about 11, 11, 12 and so on, and then they gradually start to change. Uh, are you able to cope with them? Are you able to deal deal with them? And like I said, it's not just about the technical, tactical stuff. It's about the social stuff. Are you able to deal with the the, the individual? Um, and then as you grow up, the age groups, you've got a lot more competition in terms of the roles as well. You know, you're going to be really, really be working and grafting to, to, to really get up to that. Uh, and a lot of people fall out because they can't get a full-time job in into a, you know, a PDP or a role that they want to. Like, it's taken me, like I said, 14 years to get to where I, I got to, you know, but I've had to go through it, but I've wanted to learn about the journey. You know, I've worked with from under nines now to under 18s, and there's one or two individuals now currently under 18s I work with from there on under 10, under 10, under 12, under 13, 15, 16, and now 18s. And I've learned so much about, as much as obviously I like to think they learned from me, but I've learned so much about them and how they've grown up and how they developed about as, a, as an individual. And then physically, we're talking, you know, we, we spoke about earlier and then socially and, and psychologically, how they develop as well. Are they able to cope with that that pressure? But I think it's hard to find unless you're doing it outside. I think you're not going to find that into in when you come into the academy straight away. You're going to have to spend a lot more time to kind of know which age groups you want to work with. But you've got to find that out with the clubs that you're working with. And if mm -hmm. you've got a, spe a, well, a special age group that you like working with, stick to that and, you know, become an expert at it because it, there is a so shortage in a, of, of people. And I know only a few that have said, OK, look, I'm really good at these age groups. I'm going to stick to it. Um, and one of them is currently working with me at the moment and he's quite good at it, you know, and he's stuck to, to that, to those age groups, um, which I really admire. For me, it's always similar to you. I've always wanted to work with the old age groups because with the semi-pro stuff and so on, I've had I've always had it in, in around my my um, my journey kind of thing and my goal. Um, so. I knew where I wanted to get to, but at the same time, I also wanted to learn about what the player development looks like. That's why I did all the age groups going through, and I, I was patient. Mm -hmm. it, it, it will take a lot of time, you know, to get to full-time work in an academy if you want to do that. If you're going to work part-time, then, you know, I can understand, you know, maybe you might want to experience the in the old age groups or different age groups, mm -hmm. but really try and experience that outside the academy. So you know, let's just talk about that a little bit. Obviously, you know, you're working as the under 18s assistant and lead 15 and 16s. What does that role look like on a day to day? You know, there'll be a lot of people who are kind of aspiring and you know thinking about moving into a role like that in the future and or maybe pushing for that sort of role now. What does that look like for a day to day? Obviously, every club's different. Yeah. Um, but how do, how does it look for you? Um, 
this new this role is quite new. You know, I see a lot of clubs trying to start to do it now, uh, which I think is a role that is very very important in terms of the the transition between 16s to 18s football. Because I work with the 16s obviously in the evening, and then I work with the 18 during the day. So uh, let's go through a week really. Uh, Monday I'd come in midday, work in the office obviously with the BDP staff, and then in the evening I'd work with the 15 16s. And then Tuesday, it's a full day, eight, eight till eight, um, starting with 18s, preparation, training, and then whatever we need to do after that. And then we got afternoon with the 15 16s. Um, then Wednesday we have I have off, but I tend to come in if we got a game with the with the 15s. Uh, and then Thursday is the same as Tuesday. It's a full day, eight till eight, doing the 18s in the morning, uh, and then afternoon, depending if we do sometimes double sessions. And then we'll go into the 15, 16s, Fridays, 18s, match prep, uh, uh, match day minus one. Uh, Saturday then is uh, 15s, sorry, 16s and 18s. They play side by side. So wherever we play, if we're playing at home, they play at the same same time because players move across from 16s to 18s. Um, so we'll have the match then on Sundays. Sometimes obviously depends on, on certain games. I'll go in for, for, the, for the 15s games because they play on a Sunday. When do you yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Some half days here and there, but um, mainly you know Wednesday. As I said, not every Sunday I have to go in, so I do get a Sunday off um, here and there. No, no, and I think I think I think you know the reason why I asked the question because there's going to be a lot of people going thinking about it, and they don't really understand how much time it takes to obviously work in football. You know, there's so many of us that are looking to you know secure full time roles in football and you know be be on that journey. But there's a lot of sacrifice in there as well. You know, not just your personal time, but even you know, if, if you know, I know, so I know a few people that I speak to now, and you know, they had, it's probably older than me now, and they probably said, you know, they haven't had a chance to settle down and have a family because football's kind of consumed their lives, um, mm. and things like that. So you know, you, you, these are just obviously some of the considerations that I want people to really think about when they're obviously now looking at where on this journey they're going to go, and maybe what some of the challenges that they're going to face along the way. You know, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? Look, from a personal experience, it is difficult. Um, if you work in 16s and below, you're working in the evenings, minimum three days. So that forget about that. Yeah, there's no social life for those three days. You'll get a Friday, you might get a Wednesday, depending on your program. And if you're doing the role that I'm doing, you're working more or less quite, you know, from, from morning till till evening, uh, two two of the days, and then the weekends. One day is taken away completely, depending on what age groups you're working with, whether that's 16s and 18s, which play on a Saturday, or if you work in 15s and below, uh, the Sunday is taken away. But if you really want to do it, look, um, if someone is really willing to do it, I think uh, you've got to make those sacrifices. If, like everything in life, really, if you want to be the best, you got to sacrifice, whether that's a little bit of family time, a little bit of friends, a little bit of everything. Um, but you, you you have to, if you manage your time right, you make you make it up in different ways. You know, the days that you have off, the evenings that you have off. But it is, the phrase is, is a single man's job. Um, so, you know, you've got to, you got to be careful. It doesn't engulf you completely. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, if you really want to achieve it, you, you, you'll have to do it. You have to go through that journey for a period of time. What would you say some of the biggest things that you've learned along the way? You know, there's probably loads of different experiences that you've had along the way throughout that and probably loads of, you know, if you think back on some key moments that, you know, you've experienced throughout your time, right from the beginning of your journey as a coach to where you are now, you know, you probably had some really key individuals that may have been really influential for you as well. So if you, you know, if you just had to reflect back now, what were some of the biggest messages that you kind of, you've learned? I think I've learned a lot about myself more than anything, uh, who I am. Uh, what I believe in, what my values are. That's probably the biggest thing I've learned, how those values have been instilled in me. Uh, and now I can talk a little bit about the individuals. It started, like I said, from my dad in terms of his discipline and his focus. And he's, he, he's always been a, a serious type of character in whatever he does, he does it properly. Um, the passion obviously started from him. And then from there, with the football stuff, uh, the coaches that I had, all of them doing quite well in terms of from where they started with the semi-pro team, but all had really... They set the right environment, they build trust around people, they build relationships um, around the group and then individuals. I think so it's so important that I don't think people understand to build those relationships. Um, that the things that are the stuff is my values, as in 
what I believe in, uh, what makes me wake up every day, you know, what makes me tick. And I learned that as I went through, as I said, when it was a bit more apparent through the LMA diploma, um, where I had to do an assignment and I had to really dig into myself and what what I really believed in. Uh, and as as I, I went through, I, I I had to think about not things. I had time time frames and goals, but I had to be careful. Um, mm. If I didn't achieve certain certain goals, you can you can reset your time frame. Uh, mm. If you want to really do it, don't don't that like don't hold yourself to to yeah. complete because you might not be down to you as in as in the role that I got. You know, if I wanted to get that three four years ago, let's say, it wasn't in your control. But it, but it wasn't in my control, so uh, I can't give up. You know, after coming. I, 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 I think you make a great point. Then I think you know, just something I'd add to that is uh, this is one of the things I I, I learned a few years back as well and it's okay to change your goals as well yeah yeah um just because that's the goal that i had when i was 19 doesn't mean that's the goal that i have to have when i'm 29 or 39 mm. you know i can change my goals but to because i've changed yeah you've changed we've all changed you know it's, it's been 10 years since i set that goal do i still want that do i still yeah. have the same attachment to that goal that i, that I had back then and you know it, one of the biggest things that i've started to ask you know ask myself is or I've really learned in the last few years is around knowing the why behind everything, right? Yeah. So if if that was my goal, what was you know, what was the goal about? Was it really because I wanted that job? Was it because I yeah. wanted that career? Or was it was there something else you know underlying to that? Mm. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I've picked up, you know, and, and it, it kind of just you know adds on to your point around knowing what it is that you want, understanding the time frames can change, and you know recognizing what's in that, and what's yeah. out of your control. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that um, changing those time frames. And and the other stuff I would say, mate, is the process is so important uh, and believing in it and the stuff that come with it, you'll learn certain things that you weren't planning to learn or the one planning to kind of go through, you'll have to go through and, and being open to it and, and kind of go with the journey as well. Mold as you go, you know, you'll mm. change. Mm. Well, I shouldn't say change. I, I haven't change my core and I said I didn't know much about values and so on I haven't changed my core values so me as a person I have not changed I've certainly developed myself because I've done so many different you know qualifications and so on uh, and, and experiences and met loads of different people that have helped me develop but I haven't changed what I believe in so getting those values written down is really important the other thing I would say is making sure that you're not comparing um I, I used to do that quite a lot at the beginning you know I'm, I'm comparing with certain individuals and trying to to compete it's nothing wrong with that but it's um i look back into it now like you said about where i've come from and now i sit in the table with people that have had more opportunity than i've had you know uh, i've had more access to, to certain things and i'm saying in the same table you know from my background uh, be proud of you know the achievements that you you you, you achieve as well you or you gain along the way um so i think it's also important to celebrate those achievements as well i think you're spot on i think it's just celebrating a small win just to kind of keep yourself going because even on that difficult journey sometimes where maybe things aren't going your way things aren't you know being achieved in the times that you set yourself where even though you don't want to accept it, those things aren't in your control. So you can get frustrated. Mm. And, oh, why can't I have this now? Why can't I have this now? But actually, you you know, and I think that's the bit where you need to celebrate your small ones. And sometimes look back at where you started your journey and, and where you've got to now and some of the things that you kind of picked up along the way. Um, so, you know, kind of on that then, where you are now, under yeah. 18's assistant, lead, you know, lead uh, YDP coach at Watford. If you had to take yourself back to the start of your journey, you know, getting into the coaching world at 18, thinking about doing, you know, it's a level one coach set out to your level one. And, you know, you know, what's one bit of advice that you'd give yourself if you could have that conversation? Believe in the process. That's the thing, because if I look at back into it and I say and I break it down and I look at the whole journey, oh, bloody hell, I might not even go into it. Because there's been some challenges, the journey, mm. how long it's taken me to get there, and so on. But believing in the process has helped me develop as a person, not just as a as a football coach, if that makes sense. So believe in that process, go with the flow, be patient um, with yourself and with others as well. I've had to, you know, different different management teams that have come in and and, and gone and so on. I've had to build trust with them, and then all of a sudden they go, and new people come in. Then I have to build trust with them again. So there might have been the opportunity earlier, but I didn't get it. 
Um, so I've got I had to be patient with myself as well. Mm. Uh, Just on that, then, you know, very, very briefly, you talk about being patient. Now, what does that look like for you practically when you're being patient? Because, you know, some people just see it being patient has just become a bit idle. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. What, but what, what does that being patient look like for you? Uh, yeah, it's a really good question, to be honest, because being patient is, I need to, I had to reflect on whether I got that. Like I said, uh, of course, there's, there was other challenges I couldn't control, but there's things like, have I got experience enough, you know, in, enough experience to get that job? Have I got enough qualifications to get that job? Have I done enough to do this? Have I, whatever it is, my, my presentation skills, have I done enough? So then, the patience is the next time it comes, I need to develop these things. I can't just, oh, I'll wait around and then, yeah, let's see what happens next time because maybe I'll, I'll be luckier. But you have to work hard, you know, and it's that saying, you know, that the harder I seem to work, the luckier I seem to get. And so I've got to, I've got to try and keep developing on the certain areas and find out, you know, certain people will tell you why, why you didn't get the role. And I was told, you know, certain bits that I need to develop in, I have to go consciously away and develop it and work mm. on it consciously uh, and, and not, just say, okay, I might develop it with time and, mm. and by being patient. Um, but yeah, yeah, as I said, it's, it's about waiting for that next opportunity, but doing something, the little little bits here and there to make sure you develop before that opportunity, the next opportunity comes, because there's a reason why you didn't get it this time. 100% and there's some underlying messages in what you said there as well, and that seek feedback. But don't just get it for the sake of getting feedback, because I, 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 know, I know plenty of people that do do that, that, you know, oh, can I get some feedback? Um, but they're really happy when the feedback aligns with their own thoughts. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I think it's, it's being open to accepting actually the reason you didn't get the job or this opportunity or this this whatever it was, was because of X. Even if you don't agree with X, it's not about what you agree with. Yeah, yeah. It's about X being the perce perception of the person making the, op making the opportunity accessible for you. And, mm. I, you know, it, that bit I think is probably one of the biggest things um, that I learned early in my journey as well is that, you know, it's not about what I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get into an opportunity. I'm trying to get into a role. I'm trying to get into a position that someone else has got perspective on. What's their perspective? What do they want to see? What do they want to understand? And even if, you know, that might not be necessarily what I want, then I have to make a decision. Do I have to change myself to fit into that role? Or do I have to compromise myself to fit into that role? And if I'm compromising myself, then that role is not for me. No, absolutely. You're changing your values and beliefs and, and who exactly. you are. No, no, it's very true. Exactly. Now, you know, if there's if there's if there's room for flexibility, that's not going to compromise with values and beliefs. Then, yeah, you might need to adapt. You might need to. But if it, again, like you said, as soon as you compromise those values and beliefs, then, then there's probably it's probably not there in the yeah. first place. Um, no, 100%. Another thing I'd say is, uh, and I'll, well, I don't know if we're ending up here, but more it. importantly is you have. Well, something that stuck to me. Um, success is only borrowed and not owned. So you have to constantly keep ahead of other people or keep ahead. If you're in a certain role, you need to keep working to stay in that role. Or if you mm -hmm. want to go to the next one and you constantly have to do it because somebody else is doing something, you know, to mm -hmm. catch up or to compete with you. So if you didn't get that role this time, you know, don't think just because, like I said, the way, you know, you're doing little bits here and, you know, and there, you need to do enough to make sure that together is challenging you next time is, you know, it's not going to be better than you. Um, yeah. But that that's that's something that I stick by as well. You know, and even if I'm in that role, I don't want to be complacent. You know, there's somebody else that's working hard else or might get the opportunity uh, and I might be pushed out. So mm. I need to make sure that whatever I've gained does not get taken away from me. 100% and it kind of resonates with me really well around another quote that, um, you know, about being ready, not getting ready. Yeah. Right. Don't wait for the opportunity to come before you say I'm gonna I'm gonna prepare for it. Prepare for it from now before. You, as long as you're working, as long as you're working on yourself, you know that and that personal development piece is so key here, where you're just constantly looking to better yourself to the point where you don't know what's coming around the corner, but when it comes, you're you know you're ready to go. And you're not you're, you're not stressing out. You're not anxious. You're not you know having to do some you know. And obviously you know there's little bits that you're gonna have to do and maybe polish up on, and of course. But in terms of in terms of a general foundation, you're 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 there. You're really set to go so i think um no definitely great messages there oh man what's next for you man uh step by step and uh, like i said from a selfish perspective i really enjoyed the, the journey that I've, I've been in um i've got three four players that are still 
with us. Um, hopefully they will still continue to be with us for the next couple of years, just from me as well, <laughs> not just for them, but from my selfish perspective is I want to see what the journey of a player looks like. I started on the 10s myself, went to 9s, 12s, 13s, 15s, 16s, that's 18s now. I've done some bits with the 21s here and there, but there's three, four players that, like I said, I had them at the 10s at foundation phase. I had them at youth development phase for, for three to no, four years. And then now I'm currently working with them at, at PDP. I'd like to continue to work with them as they go to 21s if I get the opportunity one day. But it's been a really good learning. Um, so I want to challenge myself for one more step to go into the maybe 21s football to see how that last stage of a player development looks like as a, as a more of a learning than anything. But I'd love to go into first team in the next three to five years. Uh, not putting myself too much pressure, but um, I do want to go back into it. I miss it. I miss the competition. I miss, you know, preparing and uh, for certain games and, and and playing for points. I do get that now, you know, with 18s, but it's not the same. It's not all about points. Um, although there is a league table, it's about development still. Um, but I want to compete on a daily basis um, without other positions where you're problem solving your you know, you're challenging yourself. Are you ready? You know, have all your preps been done properly during the week to go and compete? And then are you problem solving in the game? All those little things give me the buzz. Um, and that's why I went into, like I said, semi-pro stuff and then the women's uh, football as well, because they allowed me to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think three to five years, hopefully somewhere in the first team somewhere. Amazing, amazing. I wish you all the best, man. I'm, 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 I'm sure we'll have a conversation about a year's time where you're now the lead 21s coach. <laughs> appreciate that. I appreciate that. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, man, look, it's been a pleasure, man. Um, Really great insights. Really, you know, it's really good to kind of catch up with you and hear about your journey and how you've got to where you got to now. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of coaches listening to this thinking the same thing. Um, So, yeah, I, you know, it's been a massive, massive thank you. And, you know, if anyone wants to get in touch, is there any way they can do that? Yeah, social media, uh, Arman Kavaya, and both Instagram and LinkedIn. So if anybody needs any help with anything, I'm more than happy to to help and support. Um, but no, it's been it's been a pleasure. It's always nice talking to yourself. Um, quite similar mindset. So I really appreciate you inviting me into the show. Amazing. Thank you, Armin. Thank you. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.